The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with longtime friend but very infrequent guest, Dave Wenegren. Uh Dave currently is the chairman, uh, CEO actually, of Act IAC. And before I let him talk, I want to give a little background on Act IAC because a lot of people don't know that in 1979, an act of Congress actually started what was then called the Federation of Government Information Processing Councils, which coalesced 23 groups around the country into a loosely organized group of IT councils for primarily feds, but there was state and local involvement even back then. So uh, it was pretty cool. And I think the only surviving council is a firm, uh, which may or may not be independent, but Act IAC, Act evolved out of Fajipsi, uh I forget when, Dave. Uh, and then IAC came along in 1989. So as Dave pointed out just a minute ago, it's the 45th anniversary of Act and the 35th anniversary of IAC, which is pretty damn cool. Dave, welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you back. Great to be with you, Mark. Um, yeah, I, you know, again, it's it's been way too long. I think the last time you were on is when you were at PSC. So give give people a little bit of Dave background, please, because you, sure. you got some chops, brother. <laughs> or I've been hanging around town for a long time, as they say. So uh, so I spent a lot of time in government. That's where I started my federal career and uh, got to be the CIO for the Department of the Navy and do the CIO work at the Department of Defense and ended up as the deputy chief management officer position when DOD had one of those. And then uh, and then spent some time in industry um, at CACI and Deloitte and a little stinted professional services council in between. And then I've been running ACT DIAC now for about four and a half years. So so it's been a fabulous career arc because, you know, I, I'll say I've gotten to look at life from both sides now. What does it mean to be in the technology market as a government employee? What does it mean to be an industry leader in the technology market? And now I get to spend every day with the sole purpose of bringing those two groups together so we can get better government outcomes. And and that's exactly what ACT IAC is all about. So uh, we're going to, if, if you haven't picked up on the theme, boys and girls, we're going to be talking about act I act today and nothing else. So in a big nutshell, give me the scope of, of act I act. Absolutely. So as you pointed out, the American council for technology is the government side of the business where we have thousands of active government volunteers who are members. And then IAC is the industry advisory council. And that's how companies join. So we have about 500 member companies. They span the gamut from all the big names in the technology business to a number of small businesses. And the whole purpose is to bring together through collaboration activities, leadership activities, educational activities, government and industry together so that we get better outcomes. You know, as I used to say, as, as you and I have talked about before, if only government and industry talked more, 
we'd get better outcomes. And the vast majority of the $90 billion a year federal IT budget gets spent in the end by the private sector. So how can we bring together government and industry? We've got a really simple vision. It's pursuing better government for all. And our, and our mission statement sort of sums it all up, accelerating government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. And we, and we do it in a number of ways. And I know we'll dive into this, so I'll just go at the wave tops for now. But we do it through functionally aligned communities of interest. So think the functional areas that matter most in the technology market, cybersecurity, technology modernization, emerging technologies, acquisition issues, workforce issues. And then we have organizational-based groups called Federal Insight Exchanges. We've got 15 of those, eight com uh, communities of interest, 15 Federal Insight Exchanges. So if you're interested in what DHS is doing, what DOD is doing, what you know, just about any federal agency is doing, that's how those engage. We've got a couple of working groups. We've got one on cybersecurity supply chain risk management and another one on environmental issues. And then we also do a number of other things. We have an Institute for Innovation. We have a small business alliance that brings together small businesses with their government counterparts, but also finds them partnering activities. And one of the things that we've been known about for a very long time is our professional development programs, which all have this common theme about buddying up an industry and government person together to try to learn both executive core qualifications, but also to walk in each other's shoes. And then, of course, we do events throughout the year. The Partners Program, correct me if I'm wrong, goes back to the late 90s and basically they swap roles for a year is that the same program well it, it, it's this close so what we do is we we partner up an industry person and a government person and uh, and then they and then we have groups of four so two industry and two government and then the whole class is half and half and the course structure is based around the executive core qualifications that are, that are used to help people become senior executive service members on the government side. So it's a leadership program. But one of the sort of behind the scenes things that make it so special is that in addition to having leadership learnings together, you also end up with a, you know, understanding how the other side works. So the industry person gets to see what it's like in government government person gets to see what it's like in industry so that you know we build relationships and and one of the beauties of it is as you pointed out it's been going on for 20 years so we've had people that took the course 20 years ago built this relationship and then folks get promoted and now you have a network of people so when it comes time to do business you're doing business with people that you know and trust you said the key word to most everything that i write in that and that's relationships what a lot of people don't get when they're coming into the market is this, this market is, is driven by relationships. It is the biggest market technically in the world, but it's the smallest market in that you can vet just about anybody uh, with, with a couple of calls or a couple of reach outs through LinkedIn. Um, and if you're not vettable, you're, you're really not in the market. And ACT-IAC has been literally at the forefront of building relationships for for 45 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, we joked earlier about the, you know, if only we talked. But, uh, but you know, when we think about innovation, I, I think federal agencies are sometimes far more hampered by how they ask for things than by who they're asking. So there's lots of new entrants in the markets with way cool new technologies. But there's also lots of longtime 
contractors who have great ideas. You think about the companies that have large commercial presences and they're, and they're doing business all over the world and they, and they create a great set of lessons learned that they can bring to the federal market about how to use new technologies and improve business processes. But if we don't ask for things in a way that allow industry to bring their best game, then we're, you know, we, we sort of close the aperture on what we could have. And so part of what ACT-IAC brings to the table is this idea about, you know, if we get them together and talk, so each of the groups we talked about, like the communities of interest, are all co-led by government and industry folks. So as an example, a federal CIO council comes to us and goes, we need to learn more about zero trust architecture. So we rally industry and government folks who are smart about zero trust, and, and they can learn together and get the best practices together and then begin to figure out how they can apply those to government problems. Yeah, zero trust was really hot for the last couple of years, and it seems to be taking a uh, backseat to all of this AI stuff right now. Um, and, you know, it's it's not like AI is new to the market. Hell, I had my graduate students researching this for me seven, eight years ago, um, and, it, and, and it wasn't new then. Um, but it, it's hot as heck now so are, are you hearing a lot of uh a lot of groundswell about that You're yeah nodding, I, I would so. <laughs> yeah i would say i would say you know if, if you had to pick a single topic that's the hot topic right now it is artificial intelligence and whether it's simple parts of ai like robotic process automation all the way up to gen ai you know what we're seeing is anytime we do an event or a meeting about any ai topic we got a lot of uptake particularly from government government is really eager to learn when robotic process automation started to become a big thing several years ago we saw a lot of government uptake and and so you know i give government agencies a lot of credit that they were willing to take on this idea about you could use bots to do routinized tasks so that the finite number of government employees that you had in an agency could focus on things that have to be done by government employees and get rid of the 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 jobs that are less fun and get to the jobs that are more meaningful now when you pile onto that everything we're seeing from things like chat gpt the whole the the future of work is now and and what we're seeing across government is this idea around how can you use ai to accelerate decision making to do more evidence-based policies to allow research to find new answers for cures improving customer experience so ai ai definitely topic number one and if I had to pile on from there, I'd say tech modernization is still an important topic and cybersecurity probably are the trifecta along with customer experience. Yeah, the 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 whole CX thing has technically been with us for a long time, but it's nice to see it getting a front seat finally. So we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center. I'm here with Dave Wintergren. He is the CEO of ACT IAC. You can find ACT IAC online at actiac.org. You can find Dave and ACTIAC on LinkedIn as well. And Dave and I will return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Dave Wintergren, CEO of ACTIAC. Uh, if you don't know what ACTIAC is, back up the program for the first segment and you'll you'll hear all about it. Um, Dave, I want to talk about, I want you to talk about the uh, the professional development you touched on it uh, going back to the partners program, but uh, there's three other programs that you you have, and they uh, each has been around for a while. With the uh, Globe being the most recent, but start with a Voyagers program and explain that, please. 
Sure. Well, we'll we'll kind of walk through because they're they're sort of like career journey maps, if you will. So you mentioned the Partners Program, which is our most senior program. So so think uh, on the government side, GS-15s and senior executive service, new senior executive service members. So that's sort of level on the government side, and then their industry counterparts. And then the Voyagers is sort of mid-career. So Voyagers think GS-13, 14 level, and then industry counterparts. And those two programs are basically modeled on the same type of curriculum. They're nine-month programs, and what they're designed to do is to line up a government and industry person together and have them go through a deep learning experience together. So they have a number of learnings about the executive core qualifications, about leading change, business acumen, leading people, etc. But but the, the hidden value of them is the relationship building that happens and the better understanding. I mean, we just see it over and over again, that if you spend all your life on the government side in a contracting shop, you don't necessarily understand what happens with the small things that you decide to do in your government shop and how that impacts the industry person and and vice versa. So part of the magic of the program, in addition to the learning curriculum, is the time that they spend getting to know each other and understanding what it's like working on the industry side, what it's like working on the government side. Let me interject here a second. So uh, if I were a uh, a mid-career govy, and I was thinking about transitioning within the next five years. Voyagers or partners would be ideal for me. Would it well, not? Well, I think I think it's good if you're thinking about you know a, a change in career. Certainly, having a better understanding of what goes on on the other side is is probably really useful. But but I would say you know just as important if you're staying because because again you know I've watched a, when I was in government one of the things I looked after was the Secretary of Defense Corporate Fellows Program which is the program where they send senior military officers out to industry for a year. And, and the, every one of those people to a person came back with profound learning, not just from learning what an IBM does, but from learning what it's like to work at a company and to have to do business with the government. There's a similar program that the Air Force does with young contracting officers, and just so much is learned. So even if I say it's a great program if you're thinking about changing jobs, but it's also a great program if you're happy with the job that you have because you'll pick up some skills. That will not only help you get promoted, but it'll also help you do your job better. I wasn't promoting transitioning out of government because I like competent people to stay there too. Although, although this- to your point, the jobs are much more fungible now. And so, right, so you, you, we will see the workforce, you know, the workforce is less likely to be like my parents' generation where you worked for 40 years for the same place and got the gold watch. And it's more now about spend some time in government, maybe spend some time in industry, maybe come back to government. So anything we can do to help keep good people coming to government and then coming back to government is, as you point out, helpful. Yeah, but- I just want to keep all the good people in our market one way or another. Absolutely. So should we talk about the other programs? Because we talked about... Uh, yeah, most, most definitely. So the associates program. So associates program is the more junior program. So partners for most senior, voyagers for mid-career, and the associates program is a learning career early on. So we can get you involved in some learning experience after you've been in the market for five, five, six years so that you can begin to have some learning and understanding. It's it's not as long a program and the curriculum's a little different, but it's a great learning experience. And then and then we've added to those three programs um, our growth of leadership for women program or GLOW. And, and GLOW's been in place now for about three years and, and it's just gotten great reviews. We do a couple of cohorts a year. And it's and it's and it's just been really, really, really helpful. But then the beauty is, whichever of those four programs you take, 
there's something to do afterwards. So if you're a Voyager partner, you become an ACT-IAC fellow. And, uh, and I say ACT-IAC fellows tend to be some of our most active volunteers. And so there's a way to continue engaging there. If you've gone through the associates program, you become a member of GAP, our graduate associates program. So there's a way to continue to build your network and continue to learn and continue to meet people as you go through things. And, uh, and, and, uh, and then GLOW, we also have some alumni work that you can do if you've been in the GLOW program. So the idea is to catch them, help them learn, help them grow, but then help them to stay engaged going on beyond the initial coursework. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I, one of the, the cool things, a lot of the titles I see are window dressing. But for, for ACT-IAC, the fellows, uh, the members of GAP, and the GLOW mates are all earned titles. So yes, yeah, right. They're, they're not honorary titles. They're they're titles that you've earned through your participation in coursework. Yeah. So just not longevity, not paying a few extra bucks. They're they're there. Right. Cool. We have a few minutes left in this segment, so let's let's touch on your committees. You referenced them earlier. You have eight of them. Um, yes, and we've got they, they cover the gamut of, of technology. Yeah. They do. They do. And so the, the eight communities of interest, acquisition, customer experience, cybersecurity, emerging technology, the workforce, healthcare, IT management, modernization and networks and telecom. And so and the thing that so the thing that sort of distinguishes them from the federal insight exchanges is that they are functionally aligned. So the idea is if you're a government person who's a cybersecurity expert, if you're a subject matter expert in industry, you should come and be a part of one of the communities of interest. It's open to all government member, all government employees can come and participate in the communities of interest and anybody from any of our member companies can participate. And each of them is teed up with a leadership team that's equal government and industry. And each of the projects that they take on is work that is brought to us by the government. And so I, I think that's one of the things that's a key differentiator from ACT-IAC from some other groups in town is that lo lots of groups are like working on white papers and things, but, but sometimes you wonder like, does anybody ever reading them? But, but as I mentioned in the first segment of the show with ACT-IAC, this always starts with an ask from government. So we talked in the last segment of the show about uh, the federal CIO council coming to get insights into um, zero trust. But, but those kinds of stories go on and on over and over and over again. Um, the, for our acquisition COI and our Institute for Innovation, we had the ask from the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, Policy to create like a, an acquisition innovation table that ended up being called the periodic table of acquisition innovations that ACT-IAC people developed. They went and found all the use cases, developed the, the model that could be used, a web-based tool for anybody in government or industry that wanted to find innovative applications. And, uh, and it became so popular that we turned it back over to the federal government. And now it's being run by the Federal Acquisition Institute. And it's being called out in, in recent executive orders and OMB guidance. So, so it's those sorts of things where you could come and plug in and you know what you're going to work on is going to have some immediate use and and so people are gonna people are gonna actually take your work products and do something with them which i think is one of the things that makes people keep coming back to be involved in those groups this brings up an interesting point as well because you have so much involvement from uh the the feds directly in act iac that it's important to point out here that you guys do not lobby. You are an educational organization. 
That's correct. We're 501c3, which means we're a charitable education organization. We do no advocacy work or lobbying work. Our, our whole goal is to bring government and industry together. And that could be people from the legislative branch or the executive branch. So, you know, we, we will talk to, to congressional staff when they want to learn more about a topic. Uh, we just don't do any advocacy work. So the, yeah. it's very easy for government employees to participate. As you pointed out, the very roots of the organization are a bunch of government councils, which, uh, which OMB back in as early as 1982 not only encouraged people to participate in, but said they really should participate in the work of groups like ACTIAC to try to help learn more and make a difference that could be felt more broadly across government. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys offer this too, but one of the attractions of those councils is when they held events, you got your continuing professional education credits, which yes. anybody in technology in government needs to to proceed apace in their career. Absolutely. So, all right, we're going to take another break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with uh, Dave Winogren of the ACT IAC. He is the CEO of ACT IAC and a friend of Amtower. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Dave Winogren. Dave is, if you haven't caught on to this, the CEO of ACT IAC. Find them at actiac.org. Um, and consider joining. This This is a very powerful organization for both sides of the fence. I know feds listen to my show, but mostly contractors listen to my show. ACT IAC is a cornerstone of our market that has a very, very unique place in the market. And you've heard me say a million times that relationships drive this market. Act IAC is all about building those relationships. So, Dave, we didn't quite finish with the uh, 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 the other segment. So take take me to the Federal Insight Exchange, please. Absolutely. Well, so, you know, we talked about the eight communities of interest, which are functionally aligned. And then as other topics come up, we engage groups, too. So we have two working groups right now. We have a climate change working group that's focused on technology implications for climate change. And we also have a supply chain group that's uh, that's the industry analog to the cybersecurity, supply chain risk management community practice that government only was set up originally. So then OMB and CISA and GSA came to us and asked if we could engage industry to work with that group. So we have those working groups going too. And then, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have federal insight exchanges or FIEs for short. And we have 15 of those and each one is tied to an individual agency. So if your interests are agriculture, your interests are NASA, your interests are DHS, there's a federal insight exchange for you. And what federal insight exchange do because they're organizationally focused rather than subject, you know, functional area focused is they get together with leaders from the agency to work on like, what are your plans and priorities? So new CIO shows up, come and talk to the group, get some insights from industry and your peers across government about plans that you might have. The other thing that they do, which is always really interesting for our industry members is whenever like a new procurement vehicle is coming along, then they, they bring the procurement vehicle to the group so that we can provide them comments before they get too far down the road in, in launching the new procurement vehicle. So think Alliance three GSA Oasis, NASA soup, all the new vehicles last year, came through these groups to try to help give feedback, to help make them better, more meaningful vehicles across government. So whether your interest is a functional area like cybersecurity or an agency interest like DHS, there's some place to plug in at ACTIAC. 
couple other things that I want to discuss before we get into my my favorite topic, which is the smalls. Act IAC has a a plethora of events, several of which are really the premier events in in the market. And you also have a variety of of awards, which, and and I'll say this without referencing anybody else, but these are awards that are earned by activity, not earned by spending money. So mm-hmm. let's start with your your significant events, if you would, please. Well, so so we do events through throughout the year. We have, I'll say, two flagship conferences. Our, our most well-known conference is our conference in the fall, which we just had up in Hershey, Pennsylvania on October 29th, 31st, Imagination ELC. And that's by far our biggest event. We had about 1,200 people up there, large contingent of government and industry, runs from Sunday through Tuesday, and it's just got a lot of great content. So Imagination ELC, I would say, must attend ACTIAC event, takes place every fall. And then in the spring, we have our Emerging Technology and Innovation Conference, which we'll be holding in Cambridge, Maryland this year. And uh, and so it's a slightly different audience. It's really focused on where are we seeing actual successful implementations of new technologies and innovation in the federal market. And uh, And at that at that conference, we recognize our innovation award winners, which are real live solutions that have been put into place and are demonstrating results. And we get lots of nominations about great ideas that industry and government are partnering together. And we give out the innovation awards at the, at the spring conference. We'll get back to the awards in a minute, but we do have, in addition to the two out of town conferences, we have conferences basically throughout the year in town. So you go check out our website, as you pointed out, www.actiac.org. You can find the events calendar for the year ahead, but you know, we have conferences here on digital transformation, shared services, climate change, um, healthcare, um, workforce, cybersecurity, data. We've got a data forum tomorrow out in, in Reston. We've got a customer experience summit coming up on December 7th that, that folks may be interested in coming to. So there are events pretty much going on like of substantive size at least once a month. And then every week, We've got like either meetings of communities of interest or federal insight exchanges or our small business alliance. So there's just no shortage of opportunities to go hear from important speakers and get up to date on what's going on in the market. You you had mentioned awards and, and I mentioned briefly the innovation awards, which we release at the May conference in, in, in Cambridge. But our, our flagship awards, uh, we, we unveil at the um, at the. Imagination ELC conference up in Hershey, and 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 they've been with us for a long time. We have a some government ex, a government executive leadership award, an industry executive leadership award, an education award, and and several others. And, and you know, as you and I have talked about before, we spend way too much time in this town criticizing what's going on, and not nearly enough time celebrating successes. So you know, the, I say these are some of my favorite moments of the year. Is is in October recognizing outstanding individuals. Uh, this year, you know, we just saw some great folks up on stage that have been leaders in the federal market for a number of years. And so recognizing their accomplishments over the course of their career or all the achievements they did in the current year is is really a lot of fun. And then the spring conference, being able to find actual 
innovative solutions that are working. Because again, we spend way too much time, I'll say, on the oversight gotcha moments about, well, something didn't go well or something took too long. And yet at the same time, there are lots of great initiatives going on in government that are making a profound difference. And so being able to call those out and then talk about them and then build awareness about those are really important to us and something that we're just delighted to do. And then in relationship to that, we have a national use case library that we've established. It's got like 300 uh, best practice use cases from government already in it and it's growing by the day. And so you can learn more about those innovative solutions and a number of other interesting implementations of both innovative approaches, significant process change or application of technology in the national use case library. Another tool that you can find on the ACT-IAC website. Yeah, the the resources page is pretty extensive too, but you know, you referenced the events page. I started scrolling through there and it seemed like at least twice a week, every week, uh, with a possible exception of Thanksgiving and Christmas. And not that those weeks aren't full, but those days aren't full. Uh, so, yes, there's uh, something for everybody just about every week at ACT IAC. There, there, there is. And, and it, it's pretty damn cool. Um, we're going to take a break now, and then we'll spend our last uh, segment a little longer on the small business activities and, and what you guys do for and with small. So you're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'll return to wrap up with Dave right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm wrapping up my show today with Dave Winogren. CEO of Act IAC. Find them at actiac.org. Uh, find Dave on LinkedIn. Find Act IAC on LinkedIn. Find Act IAC online and join. Before we get into the small business, let's talk a, a moment about the value of membership and why people should consider joining Dave. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, there's a number of reasons why for both government members and industry members in your audience who are listening, why why it would be good to get involved. And the first is, you know, the pace of change is relentless. And we're going to live in a continued time of uncertainty, whether it's, you know, pandemics or potential shutdowns. And and so there's never been a time when staying abreast of the top issues in the market and what's being done and what we can do and the fact that you're not in this alone, but that every issue that you face at your agency or your company are, are issues that are also being faced by others in the market. So that sort of staying abreast of technology issues and opportunities and and is is just really a sort of top priority. But beyond that, the you know building relationships because again, you know these are large, complex organizational challenges that that span across agency boundaries. So it's not enough to just have a small network within your own group. You you need to build relationships and rapport more broadly across both government and industry, so you know what's going on and what's working and what isn't. So this whole idea about building relationships and learning and growing together is is really you know, uh, key reasons why I think why I've been a long time involved in ACT before I worked here, both as a as a government leader and then as a member company in industry. You know, you, you get to help create the future. We talked about things like the periodic table of acquisition innovation, which is widely used across government now, developed by ACT IAC volunteers. With the, the the federal government's zero trust policy stems from work done from ACT IAC. We we get asked every year by agencies and government to do things like 
help with ideas around FedRAMP, help with ideas with the CPARS past performance system, review upcoming acquisition vehicles, help make them better. So you, you get to help pick up a brush and help paint the future, which I think is just a way cool thing to do with some of your spare time. And, and the other thing is everything involves industry and government working together. And there are lots of groups in town that tend to be affinity groups. So like an industry association or a small government association, but the act has like scale because we have thousands of active volunteers on the government side and thousands of active volunteers from the 500 member companies. So it can operate at scale. It can have people involved in many different areas, but in everything we do, it's always about working together that, uh, that you get to roll up your sleeve with your counterparts from the other side, industry or government. And, uh, and as we said at the beginning of the show, you know, the vast majority of the federal IT budget ends up being spent by the private sector to help deliver services to government. And so the more that we can have those groups sharing best practice ideas, the better we'll be as a nation. Yep. And, and your, your insight exchange, you know, I would be remiss as a marketing guy if I didn't point this out. I, I push for account-based marketing as a primary way to grow your business. So focus on a specific agency. You've got 15 agencies in that program. You know, how about, what are you waiting for? Um, <laughs> well said, Mark. Well said. You know, if you're an account executive or a business development leader that, that you know, DHS is your account, you should come get involved in the DHS FIE. You'll know what they're doing. You'll be able to help them do it better. And you'll build relationships along the way. Relationships once again. So let's talk about relationships and small businesses. You you have uh, 500 plus members. Uh, 60 plus percent of these companies are small. So what what's the value prop for smalls here? Yeah, well, you know, as you as you point out, not, you know, not that we haven't talked about it for three segments, but. No, no. I mean, I think, you know, it, it is important to note that while you, you'll see all the big technology companies, the sales forces and the IBMs and the, the big consulting companies like the Deloitte's are all part of part of ActIAG. But as you point out, over half of our member companies are small businesses. And then we have a good substantive number of mid-tiers, too. And so there really is something for everyone. But because the u- unique parameters of how small businesses operate that exist in the government are so important to all of us, and their success is so important to all of us. We've actually set aside a lot of specific work just for small businesses. So if you're a small business and you and you are involved in ActIAC, make sure you plug into our Small Business Alliance. If you're not a small business, if you're not a member of ActIAC yet, come and join. Uh, the Small Business Alliance is designed to set up engagements between small businesses and their counterparts in government. So think the the sad boos, the small disadvantaged business offices in government, um, functional leaders in government. And then, but then also beyond that, like where are opportunities for partnerships? Where are opportunities for joint ventures? Where are opportunities for mentor protege relationships? How can you learn more about the programs that the government has, like SIBRs and things like that? And so, so there are a lot of ways to plug in. And the Small Business Alliance is very active. It has everything from, I'll say, small, more salon type engagements for small groups to, to very large groups. We had a couple of months ago, we had a Small Business Alliance meeting with the GSA IT vendor management office where we had 300 people. Half of them from government, half from industry, all there together to learn about the, the IT vendor management office at GSA and how its programs are helping small businesses across countries. So, so I think, you know, small businesses have a particularly unique set of needs. And, and we at ActIAC have tried to set up a specific set of engagements designed just to help meet those needs and help you to find other partners from other small businesses, but also help find big partners that you want to 
might want to go to market with. Okay. To be a member of the Small Business Alliance, obviously you have to join ACT-IAC. Um, but what else should they need to do to, is there anything they need to do to prep for this? Well, I, I think, you know, so, so the, the, the way it works at ACT Diag is you pay, you pay annual dues as a company and the dues are right. based upon your government revenue. So for small companies, the dues are, are very small. And then once you join, you can have as many of your employees as you want participate in all the different things that ACT Diag does. So as, to your point earlier about this, it's not a pay to play kind of organization. So, you know, once you're a member, then, then what we try to do is we get together with you and try to map an engagement model for you that'll work best for you. Because depending upon what are your next big things that you're trying to get accomplished, you, as a small business, you should definitely be involved in the Small Business Alliance. But you might also have as your next step being involved in one of the communities of interest because you're trying to make a name for yourself in the cybersecurity space, or you might want to get involved in a federal insight exchange because you're trying to, you know, you have, you have work at the state department, but you're not involved with agriculture yet. And you'd like to be. And so what we'll typically do with any new company is we'll, we'll offer to get together with them and sort of based upon their business plans and, and where their interests lie, how can you sort of map an engagement for them? But, but, I, but, you know, with act, Ike, the dues are pretty cheap. But but the commitment is more about can you have a couple of people that can actually spare some time? Because the, the reason why companies join and stay members for year after year after year is because they get humans involved, right? Because then they start to see the value. And so do you have somebody that could come to a community of interest meeting? Do you have somebody that might have some insights to help review an acquisition uh, proposal that's coming out? Do you have somebody that may want to sign up to participate in one of the professional development programs? And so each company is a little unique in that regard, but the, the common denominator is find a couple of people to plug in and get value and build relationships and help to get the company out. Because at the end of the day, while we don't use ACT-IAC for direct sales work, at, at the end of the day, all these companies are in business. And wouldn't it be better to be somebody who's built a trust relationship, somebody who's dealt, you know, demonstrated thought leadership and eminence in the market when it comes time to talk to government about business, rather than be another faceless name on a proposal, wouldn't you rather be like a company that's like built relationships and, and has engendered trust? It, you know, that, that's a great point. I, I, uh, I spoke at APMP, the Association of Proposal Management Professionals, for a number of years in a row. And every year, the, the chorus was, you know, the common complaint was, we're not going to bid this because the contracting shop doesn't know who we are. Um, you know, that's not the contracting shop's problem. That's your problem. And you can deal with it. And here's another way to deal with it. Work with them at ACT-IAC. Right. The solution's there. Give me some final thoughts. <laughs> well, as, as we said, you know, the, the pace of change has never been more relentless. And if we've learned anything coming out of the pandemic, it's that, you know, number one, the skills that brought you here may not be the skills that you'll need to succeed going forward. And there's a continuing need to question your relevancy, right? And, and, and relevancy of, of your systems, relevancy of individual jobs, sometimes the relevancy of the organization, because the world is changing rapidly. And it's only going to change more rapidly. As we look at, at, at AI and how that's going to change the nature of how virtually every missionary of government gets done differently. If you're not learning, if you're not growing, if you're standing still, then you're falling behind. And so, you know, maybe ACT-IAC is a good fit for you. But even if ACT-IAC is not the right fit for you, 
do something because sitting still right now is a recipe for becoming irrelevant. And, and I'd hate to see that for any of the great companies that are offering such powerful solutions or government agencies who are you know, overworked and understaffed and have a lot of work to do. So, you know, use the moment to do like Peter Drucker said about being a learning organization and a continuous learning organization and, and make sure that you stay abreast of the market some way. If you feel like the way to do that is with ActDiac, we'd love to have you. But however you do it, make sure that you're continuing to learn and grow because there's never been a more dangerous time to sort of rest on your laurels and, and keep doing things the way you used to do them. Before I let you go, give me give us a plug for your uh, podcast, please. Oh, well, so I have a radio show on, on Federal News Network, too. It's called Accelerating Government with ActDiac. It comes on once a month. You can, you can hear it live every other Monday afternoon on Federal News Network 1500, but you can also get it on demand on the Federal News Network website or wherever podcasts are available. So come check it out. You'll hear every month from government and industry leaders about what's going on in the federal technology market. Very cool. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for joining me today. Podcasting is not my day job. I operate at the intersection of thought leadership content and LinkedIn, helping companies and individuals build subject matter expert positions in the federal market to build stronger pipelines. If you'd like to discuss this, drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com. Send me an email through LinkedIn or use smoke signals. I watch. Please share this podcast with people who will benefit. Like it on the podcast platform of your choice. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 